We are the Extra Sisters, so sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to episode 165, and in this episode, we will be discussing the 2007 film 1408, and I will do my best to get through this. This movie got me fucked up. This is a film based on a Stephen King short story that came out in 1999, And after watching this again, I want to read it. I feel like it would actually be a pretty good read, especially a short story. Like sometimes with Stephen King, I'm like, is it going to be a thousand pages? (laughs) Right. But being a short story, I feel like it would actually be a pretty good read because I really like this film just as a, like, I didn't know if I would because the last time I watched it was, Okay, so the reason this movie got me fucked up, I'm just going to really quickly get my story out of the way, and then we can hopefully move on, and I don't have to talk about it again. So this was one of, if not the last horror film I saw in theaters with my dad before he died. And it was in 2007, and he died in 2011. So I know that's a long time between, but... and. We watched the Saw movies in theaters, like the first three of them. I think maybe we saw the third one in theaters together. So it's not like we didn't see movies in theaters together but like we didn't see them in theaters very often because I was so busy with like extracurricular activities and with he worked obviously and like you know life just gets really busy right right so especially because this was just like horror was just like something him and I enjoyed doing it was just not something that me and him went to the movies and did ourselves it's not like we didn't do things on our own but we typically would like rent things or watch them at the house and so like going to a movie in theaters was obviously like really special but once I got into high school which I started high school in 2007 it just it was hard to find time because I was in a a couple varsity choirs and I was in varsity band and I was in marching band and I was in like national honor society. I was just doing all these things. It was really hard to find time to do that. So 1408, when it came out in 07, I was probably coming out of middle school into high school. It was probably just one of the last films that came out that we just found time to go and watch in theaters. And there was not really any particular reason. It's not like we were like super fucking stoked for 1408. It just was a horror film that came out and we were like, Hey, let's go see it. It kind of looks like the shining, you know? And we loved watching The Shining and it was Stephen King and it was in a hotel. And I just remember it being like a chaotic experience, Mm -hmm. like this hotel. And I I didn't really remember anything else. But all I remembered was I went and saw this in theaters with my dad. That's all I remembered. And so I wanted to watch it again. And it was actually rewatching it. I don't know... There was nothing about it. I guess there was a theme of death in this movie and like grief, especially, which they're like a lot of horror. Like actually I'm, what I'm realizing is like a very decent percentage of horror has that theme in it. Mm-hmm. Like this one, not remembering anything about it. I was like a fucking course, a fucking course, you know, mm-hmm. not a dead parent, but it's a dead kid. 
Yep. And like just all of this shit. And then I was like, this movie got me kind of fucked up. So I just like sat there and cried after this movie Aww. for like 15 minutes. Yeah, dude. It was I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Like it's not a it's not a bad thing. Like, you know, we recently in our other podcast talked about, you know, grief and I talked a lot about my own grief experience. And like it's not a bad thing to get sucked back into like grieving someone or like kind of like a random thing that just kind of slaps you in the face out of nowhere. But, you know, it so it's not bad. It was just like I wasn't expecting, you know, like cuz I've watched a lot of horror movies with my dad that have yeah. a lot of sentimental value. And I think one of the biggest things was I was thinking that got me really good. And if I get emotional, you can just like ignore that. I'm fine. But like, I think what really fucking bothered me the most was, and I'm really trying not to be a downer. So I apologize in advance, but we're going to talk about it because I had to deal with it while watching this movie. So I will never get to like do that again. And that really bothered me, I think, you know, cause I got to experience it with this. And then I was thinking about like when the new Halloween came out and like, that kind of bothered me because I was like, oh, my dad would have loved to go see this too. And like, so I just like went like kind of spiraled with this movie. So it was uh, yeah. it was a great experience. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. I was fucked up after the final girls last week. And then Amanda gets 1408 this week. Bro, like, God, why do we have parent issues, man? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can relate that listen to us, like have some sort of like parent issues or whether that be like an absent parent or a single parent or a dead parent or a sick parent or whatever, like we got it all come join the club. Like, (laughs) you know, between the two of us, we got you covered, you know? Right. So it's been a like interesting weekend because we did do the final girls in 1408 in the same weekend and they both had, you know, different meanings for each one of us. So it was a tough weekend yeah so but this one was I and like I did put that aside and and actually watch the movie for what it was and I still did enjoy it like I because we actually also this is on patreon shout out patreon.com slash the extra sisters podcast but we recently reviewed the number 23 also and it didn't have the same sentimental value but I liked it a lot when I was a kid and I rewatched it and I was like this is kind of hot garbage <laughs> so if I had rewatched it and really thought it was bad I would tell you that but I, I truly actually liked this movie but that didn't surprise me because I do typically enjoy Stephen King so I'm kind of interested to see what you think because you're kind of you could go either way with like mm-hmm. a Stephen King film. So I tend to like his films more than his books, but wah, wah, I don't I don't really like 1408. That's fair. Like I I liked this one is not my favorite Stephen mm-hmm. King movie, but I liked a lot of the elements and I like John Cusack a lot in this. God, I hate John Cusack, so that's probably part of it. Oh, really? I love Samuel L. Jackson, but he's not in enough of it. Yeah, he's not in a lot of it. But was there anything that made you hate John Cusack, like any performance? or? It's just that he's so typecast. Like, he plays the exact same character in every single movie. Like, that divorced father, living by himself, that bachelor lifestyle, like, the exact same character. And I just hate it. 
Yeah, I feel I feel bad for him sometimes. I'm like, did you do this to yourself because you want this, or can you just not get out of the cycle anymore? Right, exactly. You know, like, high fidelity. 2012, 1408. He's the exact same character. I forgot about 2012. Yeah, and the reason I'm so interested in reading this short story is because I feel like something that this does doesn't do as well as I want it to do. I wonder if it's recommending the number 23 to me because I just looked that up or if it's because it thinks it's similar. Anyways, I honestly think they're fairly similar. Like they came out the same year and they have that dark quality and I don't know. They feel kind of similar to me. So 1408 is basically about this author that and it's really difficult. This might be a shorter one because the plot is fairly simple. Like, and it's all, not all of it, but like most, the bulk of the movie is in one space, in one room. And this. Ooh, this one's also about counting. True. So we have the number 23 where everything added up to 23. In this one, he's in room 1408 in a hotel that does not have a 13th floor. 1408 equals 13. So he is in the 13th room on the 13th floor. Very evil and spooky. Oh, yeah. You know, we don't like threes. I mean, I like the number three, but <laughs> 13 specifically is a bad number. 13's evil. Just like six and 23. Six, six, six. Yeah. <laughs> so he is a paranormal author and he goes and does these investigations and he writes these books about places that he investigates. And he's kind of a washed up author though. Like he had like one really big hit that everyone loved. And then after that, he kind of started dwindling. You can find his books really cheap on eBay. He goes to a book signing and like what three or four people are there. Yeah, and he's a huge skeptic. Like, he goes to these haunted hotels and stuff and knows he's not going to see anything, feel anything. He knows that they're all lying and that they're all kooks. And then he, like, beefs it up in his book. Like, for that hotel, I give it three skulls or something. Like, it's really spooky. Go visit it. But he doesn't actually believe any of it. Yeah, it's very non-genuine. Disingenuous is the word I was looking for. (laughs) Just to make money, basically. Right. So... It, and he also, like, for being so washed up and not popular, he has a crazy ego. Dude. Yeah. It's really gross. So Another thing that just turns me off with John Cusack. He tends to do that in his movies, too. Yeah. I mean... I guess in his defense, he's written that way. So he's just really. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. But stop writing him that way. Stop writing John Cusack character. Like give him better roles, people. He's written. He he does it so well that he made you hate him successfully. He has typecast himself. (laughs) Like in Hot Tub Time Machine. He's the same way. Like even when he does a comedy, he has that like ego, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. He is this washed up author and he also no longer has a family. So you find out that his daughter has passed away from cancer and you, he, he basically just left his wife because he couldn't deal with it. He didn't divorce her. He just basically ghosted her. Yeah. They're still married. She literally, we see her at some point. She's like, my husband's in there. I'm like, what the fuck? Well, yeah, she says in like a video call at some point, like, are we separated? We're not divorced. Like, I don't know what's going on. So he just fucking left. 
That's fucked up. Yeah. Like, because he couldn't deal with the loss of his daughter, which is fair. I'm not saying that's not. But then just divorce. Like, Yes. Even his his father. And we see a point where he's yelling at him going, she lost a child too. Like, be with your wife. Don't be this way. Yeah, exactly. So he goes to this. He gets this tip for this room 1408 at the dolphin hotel in new york city and they will not rent it to him which is weird because like most places that have haunted things they want to hype that up like you know um the stanley hotel here in colorado you stay in one of their haunted rooms you're paying premium fucking prices right exactly like six hundred dollars a night <laughs> right like exactly we did. <laughs> so for nothing for nothing no not nothing i mean we stayed in stephen king's room which is why we paid premium pricing which is like allegedly haunted but mostly stephen king stayed in it which is why right exactly but still at the stanley their haunted rooms are like 485 a night instead of their normal rooms which are like in the 200s which is still expensive but also you want to be haunted almost (laughs) 500 a night you know going to be traumatized you're going to pay premium baby exactly. you know exactly so it's just kind of weird that they won't rent out this room for them so they say it's not available and he's like what about next weekend unavailable a month unavailable next summer unavailable but his publicist says they legally have to rent it to you like right. if it's available they have to give it to you so he goes to the hotel says I want 1408 and Samuel L. Jackson is the general manager of this hotel pulls him into his office and is like no one can stay in that room for more than an hour everyone dies and he has this whole file in his desk on all these horrific deaths and or suicides that have happened since the hotel opened in that room and he's like it's not like a spirit it's just an evil it's an evil fucking room which is great yeah. And I really like Samuel L. Jackson in this movie because he is Samuel L. Jackson, but he is not like over the top. He's written exactly how he needs to be in this movie, you know? Yeah, but he still gets to say fuck. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but of course, he takes the room anyways, which like I definitely get it. You know, he's doing a job and, but he even sees the file of all the deaths you know yeah and then he doesn't make it 10 minutes in this room alone like samuel jackson has made a comment about a maid got stuck in the bathroom one time and she came out and she had blinded herself she wasn't in there that fucking long and he's like yeah yeah yeah, whatever and we have a timer that starts And you're like, oh, now it shows an hour. He doesn't, he makes it like 10 minutes before he's calling, going, okay, I'm done. I want to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, all, like, pretty much immediately, like, the alarm clock starts. It's only just begun, like, you know, that song. Mm -hmm. And he tries to even rip the clock out of the wall and unplug it, and it doesn't stop the timer. And, like, these random mints show up on his pillow, like, hell fucking no hell no Mm -hmm. but at that point he's already in the room 
I think there was one opportunity he probably could have left. The thermostat goes up so high he starts sweating. And so he calls to get someone up there to fix it. And the dude won't even come in the room. Yeah, but that was the time to leave. Like, that's the only time this door opened. Exactly. And he even goes out in the hallway to try to tip the guy. And he, the guy, like, fucking bails. Like, because he tells him how to fix it from the door. He's like, I'm not fucking going in that room. And he goes out to tip him, but nothing like he's still not convinced to leave yet. And so he closes the door and that's the last time that door opens. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-mm. mm-mm. So he talks about like, he's recording all this stuff on a cassette player the whole time. So he can write about it later. You know, he talks about the, paintings on the wall and how it's pretty boring but that song keeps playing and he also starts to see like ghosts that look like projections of the room's past victims Mm -hmm. and they'll like jump out the window and like reenact their suicides and stuff and he'll hear like this baby crying in the room next to him but it's not actually in the room next to him right And it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse as time goes on. Like everything just ramps up. He even at one point decides he wants to get the fuck out of that room because like the window slams down on his finger and he tries to go wash it off. And while he's washing off his hand, the sink turns on full blast with like really hot heart like it's coming out really fast like a fucking hydrant so it hurts him even worse and you know all these horrible things are happening to him and so he decides he's going to try to get out of the room and go out to the window now you would think that they would start locking these windows right like most hotels do you know with all of these suicides Yeah, but they also say, Samuel L. Jackson said in the beginning that there were 56 deaths and John Cusack's like, yeah, you're full of it. I write about the four suicides. And he's like, yeah, but you don't know about the ones that aren't suicides. The ones where pacemakers just stop working and things like that happen. Drownings in a bathtub randomly. Right. Get rid of the bathtubs, close the windows. (laughs) Right. Get rid of this fucking room. (laughs) Right. Like... At the end, I guess we're jumping ahead here, but it ends up being burned like you should have done that, you know, 50 years ago or whatever. Somebody should have burned this room. Exactly. Mm. He's also like seeing like on the TV, one of the reasons that he decided to like bail out, try to bail out of the room is because it's like playing home videos of like his daughter. It's taunting him. Yeah. Like this room it's is an evil fucking room. Yeah, dude. I was about to say this room is fucking evil. And that's why I liked about it is because it wasn't like a spirit, but it's also interesting that Stephen King did this hotel again, because especially when you get into it in Dr. Sleep, you know, the overlooks kind of like that too. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's just the hotel itself. Yeah, I mean, John Cusack even asks, he's like, oh, so you have ghosts here? And Samuel Jackson's like, no, nothing like that. And it, I agree, it's very 
different. Like we we know The Shining is evil, but we see ghosts around in it. This one, there are no ghosts. And it's just an interesting premise to have an evil room. Yeah. Like what kind of evil is it like from hell? Like is right. it just uh, like you don't ever really know. You don't ever yeah. get that answer. I feel like if it was from hell, maybe the number would lead to 666 or something. With it leading to 13, I wonder if it's just like a bad luck room. Or something. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Jesus. But it's like, it goes wrong, but then also it like takes all of your worst. Yeah. Like, so he, and it's, it bends reality, obviously. It's like, it doesn't just like lock the door, but like he goes out onto the ledge to try to get out. And also, this looks, like, way higher than, like, 13 floors, mm-hmm. by the way. Like, I'm not saying 13 floors wouldn't kill you. It absolutely would. <laughs> right. But that bitch looks like he's in a penthouse, you know? Mm-hmm. But he goes out onto the ledge, and it fucking... The the next window, he says, should be, what, like, 18 feet? Yeah. And... When it pans out, there is no, there are no other windows on the wall anywhere. Yeah. And he does manage to make it back in. Like, the room is being evil. It's going to slam the window on him. But he does make it back in. And when he gets in, he looks at the map again, which is how he knew it was going to be like 18 feet away, the other room. And now the map only shows him in his room. That's it. Yeah. Where like, going? Don't he, you fucking try again. He's not getting out. Nah. I think, like, I know that it gets to this point, but, like, I don't know. I'm so, God, I'm such a fucking, like, I know that I've talked about this before, but at this point, I'm like, that's fine. I'll just kill myself. Like, <laughs> right? I'm so, like, I have my will to live is so minute. Like, especially because, like, now if I had kids or something, that might be different, but, like, he literally doesn't anymore. Yeah, he doesn't have a wife. No. He literally, he's a bachelorless. He has nothing to live for, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, he really like, doesn't. Yeah. And, and I know that, like, I'm not saying there's not things for me to live for right now. And I'm not saying I'm suicidal. But, like, in these types of situations, it's like, you know, no thanks. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it tortures him. So, to give it away if anybody has seen it, it tortures him for an hour. And then... It does it again. Like it'll, it literally rings up and tells him, you can continue to live this, relive this hour over and over again, or you can take our out method and it drops like a noose for him. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't hang myself, but yeah, I'd be like, all right, I'm out. Uh, I'm good. Thanks. The only thing, like, I, w- I get like, I don't know because so the torturing it does is like, it actually like shows him his dead daughter in the room and like puts her in his arms. And then like, she dies in his arms and crumbles to ash. Like that kind of shit is fucked up. And it shows him leaving his wife and fighting with his wife and fighting with his dad as he's trying to crawl through the vents to get out of this room and like shows him the most painful parts of his life, you know? Mm -hmm. And I get that that's all terrible. And it's like, it's kind of like it creates your own personal hell. Yes. But at the same time, it also, like, he thinks he gets out at one point, which I know is also terrible once you realize you're back in. But he thinks he gets out at one point and he basically makes amends to everything. Like, he goes and visits his dad in the nursing home. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he meets up with his wife again and they kind of just... He makes everything good again. 
and then the room brings him back, I'd be like, you know what? I'm good. Like, I I made my peace with all of those situations. I will leave now. Thank you. Yeah. And then another thing it does is he is able to video chat with his wife and he thinks he's saying one thing and then he realizes that it's talking for him and it's like, hey, come to this room. Don't say anything to anyone. Come straight up to room 1408 and just come on in. So it's like also going to trap his wife. Mm-hmm. So I think at that point, like you can do whatever you want to me, but if you're going to like try to trap someone I love, you got me. Right. You know, but also like the method it gives him to kill himself hanging. No, I, I wouldn't choose that one. Yeah. Like I think I'd jump out the window. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, like at least that's going to be quick. I don't, if you don't yeah, do it like uh-uh, I hanging is one of those I will never try. Like yeah. if I were to think about suicide, not that one. Right. Like, and the reason he thinks he's out is because like right at the end of this hour, like the room starts shaking and the picture of a ship, like water comes out of it and he thinks he's going to drown. And then he just comes up on a beach where he was like at the beginning of the movie because he was surfing and he fell off his surfboard and got hit in the head and his life just continues and he reconciles with his wife and he tells her about all this and she just thinks 1408 was a nightmare and he's just starting to confront his grief from his daughter and so he writes the manuscript of this and he like goes to mail it and the there's a construction crew in the post office and they're all the staff from the hotel and then as they're like destroying the walls of the post office he's like back in the hotel mm-hmm. and that's when they call and say you can relive this hour over and over and over again or you can do this and the noose comes down but he's like no i'm not gonna fucking do that so instead of killing himself he makes a molotov cocktail because he had like a, a bottle that the manager gave him and he sets the room on fire and the whole hotel is evacuated and he just sits there and he lies down and you can actually hear the room kind of like die. Yeah. Like making groaning sounds. It's great. Yeah. And he's like laughing at it. And at the end, his wife is at his funeral and the manager brings like a box of his stuff and she doesn't want it. And he just tries to thank her, but she doesn't want to hear about it, which I guess is fair. Like, you know, Okay. Yeah, she's had a real fucked up life. Yeah. Daughter, husband, gone, you know. Mm-hmm. And you hear he plays, the manager gets back in his car and plays his tape recorder. And you can actually hear that all of this was real and not in his head because you hear him talking to his dead daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there were actually a bunch of endings to this film that were shot. And like the like one of them was like ambiguous and like the original one was that Mike survives and he and Lily reconcile and though Lily is like doesn't think that he actually had that experience she finds a box of his possessions that were rescued from 1408 and then Mike takes the damaged mini cassette recorder saying from it sometimes you can't get rid of the bad memories you've just got to live with them and then suddenly they hear their daughter's voice coming from it and so she believes them 
Like that was one of the endings. Interesting. And then another is Mike dies in the fire. And instead of the funeral scene from the director's cut, the sounds of a funeral are dubbed over the shots of Los Angeles and Lily and Sam sort through Mike's stuff. And Sam returns to his New York office, which is that's his publicist and discovers the manuscript that Mike wrote while he was in room 1408. And as he reads through the story audio from Mike's like experience in 1408 in the room, you can hear it. And in a final scene, the publicist's office door slams shut and Mike's voice says, as I was, you are, as I am, you will be. So this is the uh, two of the other endings. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, this is basically like a haunted house movie. Yeah. You know, that like turned a paranormal skeptic into like experiencing all this because like the whole time he's trying to rationalize, like at first he's like, okay, well somebody's in the room or they drugged me or there's something in the drink or there was something in the mints they left on my pillow. Like he thinks he's hallucinating and then like Mm -hmm. clearly he's not. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I actually like this movie. I had a good time. It's got a 79% from critics and a 61% from audiences, which I actually thought I wasn't sure how this movie was going to go as far as ratings go on Rotten Tomatoes. I was like, people are going to really like this or they're really going to hate it. And the audience one's right in the middle, but the critic one was fairly high, especially for like a haunted house, Stephen King type film that I felt like that could go really, really low or be like decent. And I personally enjoyed the, the, spookiness of it like there were some questions though that like they didn't answer like some things that they brought up that they didn't really like want to deal with if that makes sense uh example like I I can't think of what you're thinking of I guess like they didn't like I guess like uh some of his experiences they kind of left undone if i i guess i felt like they didn't come back to some of it like some things like with his wife and his family and stuff mm-hmm. um like was his daughter you know like at the end it shows him like is he at the hotel actually with her or was she just an evil manifestation of the room i guess mm-hmm. if that makes sense does he actually get to be with her at the end like that's some stuff like you don't actually get to know which is yeah, that is weird because he's basically at the end he's a ghost and yeah. his daughter's calling for him. Is and that is he now part of the evil of the room? Exactly. Is he cuz it looked like the other people were stuck in that room, but maybe they were just images, like maybe they were free and the room was just showing what happened before and he can be with his daughter. Right. So I just kind of like, you know, I was like, is he part of the evil or did he beat the evil? You know, mm-hmm, and right. he, like, you don't really have to know that, I guess. But I just was like, I want to, I want to know, you know, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it and I thought that it was a good hit with like, you know, his own personal navigation through his own grief story and all the amends that he had to make in his life. But it's not one of those things where like, okay, you've made amends and you get to go now. This room is literally just there to torture you with them. Yeah, exactly. Which is spooky. So like for me personally, it was a four out of five. Yeah. I didn't like this movie. I've watched it a few times because I keep thinking that I'll like it. I don't. 
it, I honestly think it's pretty boring. For me, it's probably a two. I mean, and that's fair. If it's, I really liked, I didn't know like what the next thing the room was going to do was or what he was going to see. And I thought the suspense was really good, especially when he was out on the ledge. It made me really anxious. So I thought it was really well done as a psychological thriller, but you know, it doesn't hit for everyone and that's totally fair. But I can say that most of my rating is not based on my experience. So if you're thinking like, well, not you, I know you don't, but people, other people thinking, you know, like if my experience is just based on my emotional tie to this movie, it's not because I didn't remember anything about it other (laughs) than I went and saw it in a movie theater one time with somebody I I loved a lot. So all opinions are based somewhere on emotion like mine. I was bored with it. Is it honestly probably a middle of the road movie or four? Yeah, probably. It just wasn't for me. Right. Somebody else would probably enjoy this movie a lot. Yeah, exactly. So Mine is just not all based on nostalgia is what I'm saying. Like Mm -hmm. I actually did enjoy this movie and we'll probably actually now that I've watched it again, I just never rewatched it because all I remembered about it was like I didn't when I was younger, I didn't quite understand it, I guess. I bet. Yeah. So now that I'm older and watched it again, I will probably actually add this back into like a spooky season rotation. Mm -hmm. So you might actually see that as a pick from me. I don't know. We'll have to, we have not talked about our October movie list yet. So it might actually make it into the rotation. I'm not sure. Cause this did feel like a very like, you know, eerie, creepy mm-hmm. uh, fall movie to me. So it might make it on the list. We'll see. We haven't, we haven't done that yet, but Ooh, it's almost time. I know yeah. it's next month. And Oh my God. I know we're going to have to get ready to ramp up, man. Can't wait. Not like we don't already do a shit ton, but I know, dude. October, it's almost here. It's spook timber now. It's almost exactly. October. So, thank you guys for hanging out with us for this review of 1408. As always, we appreciate it. And you can find us on all of our social medias. Everything is the Extra Sisters Podcast, except for Twitter, which is at the Extra Sisters. And you can find us on Patreon and patreon.com slash the Extra Sisters Podcast. And if you haven't checked out our second podcast, it is called Oddest is Hottest. It is now finally on Apple Podcasts, if that is where you listen to us. So, you can check that out there. And next time, to start off spooky season, a love that defied time drives a beautiful girl to her doom. Until then, stay creepy.